Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the wisdom, creativity, commitment, and faith of those who founded and fostered this institution and the impact this place has had on the lives of so many. Today, we honor someone who embodies those qualities, and we ask for your continued blessing on Knut Braxta and his life and work. As we move forward into a future with you, continue to guide us to be people who teach and learn well, and serve this community and the world with compassion and justice. Amen. Good morning and welcome to this honorary degree convocation. Please be seated. The practice of awarding honorary degrees is an ancient one, adopted by colleges and universities that seek to honor extraordinary achievement in arts, letters, sciences, or public life. At St. Olaf College, we award honorary degrees upon the nomination of the faculty and by the authority of the Board of Regents to individuals who not only excel in particular fields of endeavor, but who also have become part of the St. Olaf community through their ongoing interaction with our institution, and particularly with our students. We are gathered here today to award an honorary degree to one such individual, the private secretary to His Majesty King Harald V of Norway, Mr. Knut Brockstad. To begin this ceremony, I invite Dr. Anton Armstrong, the Harry R. and Thora H. Tausdahl Professor of Music, to present the candidate for the degree. On the nomination of the faculty and with the approval of the St. Olaf Board of Regents, it is my pleasure to present Knut Braxta as a candidate for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters honoris causa. Born in Molden, Norway, Knut Braxta, private secretary to His Majesty King Harald V of Norway, has distinguished himself as a humanitarian, religious, and civic leader. Knut Braxta attended St. Olaf College during the 1979-80 academic year. Prior to his study at St. Olaf, he had completed collegiate level studies, graduating from the Roma Volkerhochschule in Molde in 1974 and the Molde Gymnas in 1977. However, Mr. Braxta will, will be quick to say that his year at St. Olaf was a transformative period for him intellectually and even more importantly in his personal development. He thrived in the liberal arts environment of St. Olaf College. He was profoundly impacted during that year and has been quoted as saying that he was finally seen during his St. Olaf period of study. By this, he means he felt the keen and personal interest that the faculty staff and students took in him as a whole person, not simply just one more body in the classroom. It was St. Olaf's liberal arts focus with a global perspective, yet rooted in a community of faith shaped by a Lutheran tradition that provided a distinctive approach to educating Knut in body, mind, and spirit. This distinctive holistic approach to education was truly an epiphany for him, and in many ways provided a framework for how his life has unfolded. Knut Braxta's life has been a model of what we strive to do through a St. Olaf education, 
and preparing young people for lives of worth and service. He is a lifelong learner who has sought to prepare himself with proper, proper academic training and then boldly has taken on initiatives that have made differences in the lives of his fellow citizens as well as the wider international community. During his service to the church as a military chaplain and later as a parish pastor in Yellow, he was especially active as part of an interdisciplinary grief and crisis team in the community. This type of mediation work has been invaluable to him during his future leadership roles. His organizational skills and ability to bring people together led to his appointment in 1991 as project manager of the Lillehammer Olympic Organizing Committee. In this pivotal role, Mr. Braxta was responsible for the design and implementation of the educational, cultural, and Church of Norway activities presented during the 1994 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer. His innovative leadership allowed Norway to brilliantly share the creativity and compassionate nature of the Norwegian people, as well as its rich culture to the international community. It was his work as project manager that brought him to the attention of the royal family and subsequently his appointment as private secretary to the King of Norway. As private secretary, he also serves as a valuable liaison between the royal palace and various government, educational, cultural, and religious leaders throughout Norway and the wider world. Whether in his role as pastor, foreign service advisor, project manager for the 1994 World Olympics, and now as private secretary to the King of Norway, Knut Braxta has made significant contributions to Norwegian society and those Norwegians living abroad, but always behind the scenes. For 17 years, he served on the board of Norwegians abroad, formerly Normansforbunden, including a substantial period of time as vice president of the board. Through this work, he has continued to serve as an active advocate for Norwegian culture throughout the world. Often, his words have been heard in the voice of others, most notably His Majesty King Harold V. For Mr. Braxtar, as the King's private secretary, is also the King's principal speechwriter. While he must always be conscious to reflect His Majesty's intent, we hear Knut Braxtar's eloquent mind and heart in the words that are often delivered by the King of Norway. All one need do is to look at the archived convocation during the visit of the King and Queen of Norway to St. Olaf College in the fall of 2011. That moving and deeply thought-provoking uh, set of remarks delivered by King Harald originated from the pen of Knut Braxta. Finally, Knut Braxta has been an incredible supporter and advocate for St. Olaf College. He speaks with such love and gratitude both privately and publicly for the innovative education he received at St. Olaf College. I can personally attest to the strong support he has shown the musicians of the St. Olaf Choir and the Band and Orchestra during our tour there in 2005 and the choir's most recent visit in June 2013. Whether as a representative of the royal family, his work as a board member of Norwegians abroad, or simply as a private citizen, Knut Braxtar has extolled the virtues of a St. Olaf education and the institution we are today. Yet more than his accomplishments as a humanitarian, civic leader, or theologian, is his calling in life to transform and unite people throughout the world. His personal philosophy rings with so much garnered from his time at St. Olaf College, and his life is an exemplar of the servant leader 
shaped by his profound religious faith. Mr. President, it is my distinct privilege to present Knut Braxta as a candidate for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters, honoris causa. Knut Braxta, I invite you to the podium to receive your degree. On the nomination of the faculty and by the authority of the Board of Regents of St. Olaf College, I hereby confer upon you the degree Doctor of Humane Letters, honoris causa, together with all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities pertaining thereto. Congratulations. Now for the hardest part of the ceremony. I invite Provost Marcy Sorter and Professors Armstrong and Margaret O'Leary to present you with the doctoral hood, after which we await your remarks. President Anderson, colleagues of the faculty, honored Board of Regents, dear friends. I love St. Olaf, and it is indeed an extraordinary pleasure and a great honor to be standing here today in the company of so many distinguished, intelligent, and good-looking people. I can assure you that it never occurred in my mind when I walked around on this campus 35 years ago that I one day should be standing here as an honorary doctor. But life is full of surprise and full of grace. It is indeed a fantastic gift to be bestowed an honorary doctorate from St. Olaf. With all kinds of humility and gratitude, I have accepted to receive this wonderful recognition and honor. In many ways, my visit here this week frames in my life. It was here in this very chapel, on this campus, between these buildings, that a new life started for me. Perhaps you need to have been a student at St. Olaf College to understand what I'm talking about. This place makes a difference in people's life. This place redeems something inside, 
This place lifts up young people. I would never have become me if I had not been so fortunate and lucky to end up here. When I arrived in Northfield for the first time in August 1979, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to experience. I had very few expectations and I had very small thoughts about myself. I can still remember the first day on campus with vivid pictures and feelings. I had lost my suitcase at the airport in Chicago, so I had very little to carry. <laughs> Everything was huge. The professors and the staff were extremely well educated. All the other students were handsome and good-looking and wealthy. <laughs> they seemed to be coming in with the rich parents in the white Cadillacs from Edina or Bloomington or some other fancy place. <laughs> everyone had had success. Everyone had huge plans. And everyone spoke English fluently. <laughs> and there I was, knowing very little English, with a small scholarship. I was too old compared to the other freshmen with considerable imperfection in my academic career, and even without my suitcase. <laughs> it could have become a catastrophe. It could have been a nightmare, but it turned out to be the best thing I have ever done, the, the best year in my life. Why is that? Why is this place a birthplace for new individuals? Why did St. Olaf become the starting point in a new era in my life? I could think of a few places with a more pleasant climate, <laughs> with easier access, and with a more central location. But the uniqueness of this institution is the people, the spirit, the magic, the aesthetic beauty, the idea, the very essence of St. Olaf. Perhaps, as it already has been mentioned, the most important thing for me was that I was being seen. People saw me, people recognized me and said nice things to me. People lifted me up. Even the professors and the faculty members saw me and were there when I needed them. They had time and they were kind. Yes, even the president of the college, Sidney Rand, and Louis became near and dear friends. Many of these people I met that year became role models in my life. And ever since, it has become important in my own life to adopt this frame of mind, to see people, to lift others up, one of the important things I learned here at St. Olaf is that you are a true success when you help others be successful. I have read my Bible and I have studied my theology. To me, the very essence of the Bible lays in the words, what you have done to one of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done to me. 
Yes, I had studied theology prior to my arrival at St. Olaf, but I had also realized that you cannot walk around thinking about God all the time. Studying at St. Olaf therefore became like a gold mine for me. There were so many angles and so many perspectives, perspectives to observe life and reality from. So I ended up running around from class to class with a constant energy and curiosity, loading my days with the most interesting and rewarding academic program you could imagine. I took philosophy, psychology, sociology, theology, music, literature, art history, public speaking, and sports. Perhaps that is normal for an American college student. It was not for me. So every day turned out to be a fairy tale. It was perhaps not written in the stars, but St. Olaf College had literally become the dream of America in my life. I will come back to that. But let me first bring you greetings from two other honorary doctors of this institution. Two colleagues, so to speak. King Harald of Norway and President Ilves from Estonia. Both are proud of being connected to St. Olaf. For people in Norway, and probably for, for people from all over the world, the notion, the dream of America encompasses the totality of all our dreams. The dream of a good life, of freedom, of peace, of love, of clean nature, of a decent outcome, and of becoming the best version of oneself. The dream of America has powered the hopes and aspiration of people for many generations. It may have started as a plain notion that each individual have the right to pursue happiness and the freedom to strive for a better life. Over time, this dream has come to represent a set of expectations that gives hope when life is becoming rough. I could have mentioned a long list of fields where the notion the dream of America would be significant. The Norwegian emigrant history is one, full of examples of how the dream of America changed millions of lives. The Norwegian Constitution is another. Our Constitution, which we celebrate the bicentennial of this year, was written in admiration for the American Founding Fathers. During the First and Second World War, Europe and a great portion of the world were looking to America. And finally, today, oppressed people all over the globe are dreaming of your country and finding comfort and strength in the very certainty that America exists. Let me point out a few examples of how, how I have experienced that the dream of America is being significant. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of spending time together with Dr. Honorary Doctor at St. Olaf College, Dr. Henrik Ilves, the President of Estonia. He is living in the midst 
of a critical time where his own country and the other Baltic countries are facing uncertainty and fear regarding their own security and future, especially after Russia's invasion on crime and the conflict in Ukraine. Parts of Europe today find itself in a completely new security environment. We see annexation of territory, violation of borders, and religious conservatism pairing with imperialistic bravado. It is not a new Cold War, because during the Cold War, one had at least agreed upon certain rules of international behavior regarding what countries may or may not do. In this new situation, the liberal democratic West is still confused about what to do. We have come up with sanctions, but the situation keeps escalating. This is not just an East European issue. Ukraine is not a faraway country we know nothing about. To quote British Foreign Secretary Neville Chamberlain, when he agreed to allow Adolf Hitler to dismember Czechoslovakia in Munich in 1938. The key to restoring stability in Europe today is a sound transatlantic relationship, a Europe willing to assume more of the burden, and first and foremost, the US engagement and leadership. America's example gives hope to people all over the world. The currents of history ebb and flow, but over time they flow towards freedom. That is why, in the end, the ideals of America are stronger, and that is why, in the end, the ideals of America will win. Dignity will win, because every human being is born equal. Justice will win, because power does not make right. Democracy will win, because only democracy rooted in the sanctity of the individual can deliver real progress. And freedom will win, not because it is inevitable, but because these basic human longings for dignity and justice and democracy does not disappear. They can be suppressed and silenced, but they burn in every human heart, a light that no army can ever extinguish. Earlier this year, in June, I had the privilege of visiting Normandy on the French west coast to recollect that it was 70 years since the dramatic D-Day, the day that changed the long and dramatic war and started to put an end to the darkest chapter in Europe's history. Together with the Norwegian king, President Barack Obama, state leaders from all over the world and 10 thousand veterans, I experienced two magical and memorable days. I do not know what they were thinking about, the old veterans who were standing there on Omaha Beach, like silhouettes of history against the horizon. What I do know is that many of them expressed gratitude to America and all this country did during the horrible war. And the applause when President Obama entered the stage lasted extra long. 
I've been fortunate to get to know quite a few men and women that were active in the Norwegian resistance movement during Second World War. Many of them have become giants in the Norwegian history. I shall never forget one of them, Håkon Lee, the Secretary General of the Labour Party in Norway. At the age of 92, being part of a documentary on the war and the American Marshall Plan, he talked about how they, in 1941, in horror and despair, regularly went skiing in Nordmarka outside Oslo. They went there so they could talk safely away from the Nazis. On the program, on the TV program, Håkon Lee said, on these ski trips, we rode in the snow with our ski poles. America will come. America will come. And then he looks into the camera and says, and they did. It is easy to forget, and I'm ashamed to say that many have also in Norway. Maybe the situation in Ukraine will help us remember what it's like to be occupied and threatened by a foreign nation. The struggle for freedom and independence were also the basic values that the founding fathers of Norway, who met on the 17th of May 1814, had learned from your founding fathers. The Constitution of Norway was like the US Constitution, based on sovereignty of the people, separation of powers, and respect for dignity, liberty, and rights that cannot be given or taken away. In this country, in America, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin were the giants in the making of the Constitution. In Norway, it was a man called Christian Magnus Falsen. During the meeting at, meetings at Eidsvoll in the spring of 1814, he got a brother. On the 19th of May, two days after the formal adoption of the Constitution, the child was baptized. And this child was given the name George Benjamin Falsen. I think that says it all when we talk about how much the US Constitution had influenced ours. This is known history to many. Less known is it maybe that it was America that helped Norway find oil in the North Sea in the 1960s, and Norway still somewhat recovering from the war. In many ways, we can thank the US for our new wealth, sharing with us the technical knowledge and expertise that the United States already had. Since then, Norway has seen a prosperity very few could even dream about, creating an opportunity to save and build up the largest monetary fund in the world. When I grew up in Rumsdal on the West Coast in the 1960s, Norway still was one of the poorest countries in Europe. As everyone else in my little village, I grew up with an uncle in America. I, I even had two, one with a ranch in Montana, the other being a professor out at PLU on the West Coast. Ever so often, they came back to the old country with their new American accent and their generous gifts. Everyone in Norway 
seems to have relatives in this country. And today, there are more people claiming their Norwegian roots in America than there are in Norway. My heart and mind have always been touched by people who are dedicated to making a difference. Norwegians who came to America have made that contribution. In this country, their dreams had been real. In return, they made an extraordinary impact in the process of building this great country in a number of areas like church life, politics, business life, and not the least, education, where St. Olaf is a profound example and flagship. We are all brought to realize that we do not live our lives in an isolated manner. What we say and think and do is reflected in the lives of others. And what our forefathers have said and thought and done before us is likewise reflected in our lives today. We all, therefore, need to make up a master plan for our own lives, as former King Olav used to say. A short version of the most important things I have learned is that life is a gift, not only a task. I have learned that it's much more important to collect good people rather than collecting money. I have learned that every day you need to put your air down to the earth and listen to the heartbeats of nature. And I have learned that the person who has not lived alone in the mountains has not yet discovered his soul. All of these are reflections of what I started to learn while being a student here on this campus. Some of you may have heard about Winnie the Pooh. You may remember that uh, this small bear always had a storage or a depot of honey he had buried down somewhere nearby. In this way, he could always have something to look forward to. When he needed joy in his life, he could always dig up some honey. He always had this wonderful dream, dream of America, if you will. I think we all will have happier lives if we have something nice we can look forward to, something we can dream about a day or two or a year ahead. For me, traveling to America is such a honey depot. I know it's totally different from the dream that had the first Norwegians who came to this country, but still there is something about this country. It still has got this, this ring of out, the utmost longing in human beings. I also think we will live happier lives if we have a flock to belong to, a flock to dance with, a flock to dine with, someone to enjoy life together with. St. Olaf College and the Norwegian-American relations have given me a flock to dance with. Ever since I arrived here 35 years ago, I have felt this close connection. Since then, I have had the chance to work in this country. I have traveled around the country several times, both alone and together with the royal family. I even have had the opportunity 
to be knocking on doors for President Obama on the East Coast. Perhaps not the smartest thing to have done nowadays. But on the very top of the list of my great adventures in America is St. Olaf, the very fairy tale castle with the splendid buildings, the marvelous beauty, the mag magic atmosphere, and the wonderful people. Thank you, dear friends, for having, having, having given me another chance to visit this wonderful honey place and for allowing me to dance with one of my favorite flocks. President Anderson, thank you for this extraordinary honor. Thank you, Board of Regents, for having approved the idea. Thank you, dear colleagues of the faculty, for accepting me into this brilliant academic collegium. Thank you, Anton, Michael, Bob, Jean, Louis, Gary, Wendell, and all you others for all the support and for having prepared so wonderful things in connection with my visit. Thank you, students and guests, for putting up with my too long speech. Thank you, fellow Olis, for letting me be a part of this wonderful dream team. Thank you, each and one of you, for an unforgettable day. Thank you, Knut, for those words. Professor Armstrong spoke well when he referred to the eloquent mind and heart reflected in your words. We are honored to count you an Oli. In just one moment, I'm going to invite everyone to rise, sing the college hymn, and ask you to please remain standing for the benediction and the recession. But before we do that, I want to remind you this is Founders Day. This is the 140th year of St. Olaf College. That's something that demands celebration, cake. There's a birthday cake for the college down in the crossroads. There's a reception after the ceremony. You're all invited. Let's stand and sing from from. May God's grace and love always be with you, and may you walk in God's peace. Amen.